going on my friends entrepreneurs business owners and of course side hustlers everywhere we have an amazing guest for you today on the seven figures club podcast today's guest is cpa certified public accountant suzanne mariga who is also a certified tax coach and so for all of you that like to legally pay as little as taxes as possible as a business owner you're going to want to pay attention today she's also a chartered global management accountant with over two decades of experience helping clients achieve their financial goals through business and personal tax planning she's well beyond the 10,000 hours it takes to become an expert and is probably going to the 20 and 30,000 range here before founding her own firm, Suzanne worked at Arthur Anderson, as well as one of the big four firms, KPMG, combining her industry knowledge with her own experience of growing a small business has allowed Suzanne to help her clients design unique profit-first based business plans that ensure success and long-term financial stability. We're gonna definitely talk about profit first and how vital that is for your business to grow. And as a certified Profit First Professional at the Mastery Level. She is passionate about helping small business owners and entrepreneurs maximize their revenue, grow their business. She is also the host of the Profit Talk Podcast where she discusses business tips and strategies and is the author of the book, Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises. Just had that book published last year. So give a warm welcome for Suzanne. Suzanne, welcome to the podcast. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you, Leo. I'm excited to be here. So Suzanne, we always love to find out a little bit more about the background of our guests and what makes them tick. And especially I love to find out, you know, what was your upbringing like? What were some of the early events in your life that you feel had an impact and maybe led you down the path of entrepreneurship? Oh, Leah, we're going to talk tax strategy early on then in this in this conversation. <laughs> um, you know, my dad was a CPA. He was a CPA for 40-something okay. years in Cincinnati, Ohio. Wow. Yeah, he had his own firm in Cincinnati. And he was actually, my parents were students. They were college students when they yeah. had me. So it was a very interesting situation. He was studying accounting. So I always say that, you know, he was balancing me on like one knee while he was trying to like balance balance sheets with the other hand. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And so I kind of grew up in the accounting world. And when I was 14 and my dad had his own practice, he decided that, you know, he was going to put his daughter to work. And so he brought me into his I office and said, it. you know what, you're going to do some bookkeeping. And so he taught me how to do bookkeeping. He gave me some sales tax returns and said, see if you get the same answer. Later on, he gave me some tax returns and said, let me see if you get the same answer. And I learned when I went to college that of all my classes I took, I could study the lease and accounting and still get an A. And um, <laughs> because, you know, I, 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 I knew everything that we were learning. And so when I got out of school, um, I had like all A's and went to work with Arthur Anderson, passed my CPA exam the first time around. Huge firm, huge firm, guys. Y'all you, you, can't realize how big a firm Arthur Anderson was. And the Chicago office too, their headquarters. 
Wow. And, and so literally like when I got out of school, you know, my dad, you know, my, my dad had gotten a tax deduction because he had hired his child. Um, so there were some benefits with that. And, and I got experience and we talk about 10,000 hours. Like you just mentioned, Leo, I had those 10,000 hours by the time I was 24 when my peers were wow, literally getting out of school. Amazing. Unbelievable. So you've got this amazing job. You've got this background. It's in your blood you know, the, the accounting and every business owner knows that if you don't have a good accountant, you're going to pay. And, and even as, as much as technology and information has grown, I still feel like there's a tremendous gap in the business owner who's able to work with an amazing professional and, you know, everything that you offer versus maybe a lot of the generic um, accounts out there who I kind of feel like sometimes are asleep at the wheel. They're not providing the right tactics and strategies. So what are some of the things that business owners who are really looking to take that next step should be aware of when it comes to, you know, finding a great uh, CPA and what are some of the strategies that they should be implementing or learning from you? Oh yeah. You know, I'm going to start with, I'm going to take a profit for a spin on it, Leo. Please, you know, I think that's many, probably a, a great place to start. <laughs> you know, I think too many entrepreneurs are fighting with the tax man, you know, and, I, and I, I, I get it. You know, I don't like the tax man as much as anybody doesn't like the tax man, you know, but but it, when you're at that point that you're cutting your ankles just so that you don't have to pay taxes when you're going out and buying trucks, when you're like a dental office and you're like, why am I buying trucks um, if I'm a doctor's office? Um, I get it if you have a if you need a fleet if you're in lawn care, but not a dental office, right? Or you're going out and buying filing cabinets just because it's December 31st. There's something wrong with that, right? We're we're hurting ourselves trying to hurt the tax man. And 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 first of all, it's celebrating that you were successful, celebrating that you have profits, celebrating that you're able to hire the next bright rising star because you've had profitability that you can put back in that business and and buy that building one day, right? Um, and or or be able to retire early, even better yet, right? And and so first of all, celebrating that profit is something good, that it's that reward for a job well done. And then understanding that. At the same time, I don't want to pay a whole lot of taxes, but let's think about it. How do I build my net worth without increasing my expenses, right? But at the same time, reduce taxes, right? And so you want that out-of-the-box CPA that can help you strategize. Not, not that CPA is saying go out and buy filing cabinets, but how do I build my net worth? How do I reduce my expenses while at the same time yes. reducing taxes? And like the example that I gave you with my dad, you know, when I was 14, he hired me, right? And, and if you are at a sole proprietor, if you hire your child, they make less than a standard deduction, your child's going to be in the 0% federal tax bracket, right? And, and if you're normally paying for dance class, which I did dance class as a kid, you know, you know, make the child pay for her own dance class, make her pay for her own outfits, right? Make her contribute to the household when we want to go out and go to Disney World, make the child pay for that who happens to be in the 0% tax bracket. You know, when we're scaling entrepreneurs, right, keeping employees longer is important, right? We want longevity because the longer employees are with us, the more profitable they are, right? Because they get more efficient. They learn faster ways of doing things. They actually teach their peers how to do things, right? So they, they become more valuable to us. And what can happen there is, you know, how do I keep my employees longer at the same time getting a tax deduction? So one of the things I might look at is, you know, maybe I want a 401k, but not just a regular 401k. I don't want just a safe harbor 401k. I want a 401k that has like 
all the bells and whistles, meaning like the longer you're with me, that's how you're going to invest, right? You're going to be, you had to be with me for six years in order to fully invest in this 401k. And if you happen to get attracted to the shiny lights of a competitor after a year or two, guess what? You forfeit all those contributions. Now I've gotten a tax deduction for every year that you've been there, right? Because I've contributed, but you don't get to take that with you. It stays in the trust. And by the way, if I'm the last one standing in the company and this trust, who does that money go to, right? It goes to, you know, Leo's retirement account, right? Which is even better. And so, you know, again, I'm looking at how do I get my business goals of more profits, but at the same time, getting a tax deduction on that. And so I'm looking at it very strategically. And if I'm a solopreneur, right, and I don't have any employees, I can put away like $58,000 into that thing, you know, and again, I'm getting a deduction, but I'm not paying any tax on it. There it is, my friend. And so, strategically, yes, yes, and the strategic is is what it's all about, right? It's not necessarily it's it's funneling that money appropriately. And and great examples of oh, I'm going to go buy this uh, fleet of trucks so I don't have to pay taxes. No, what you should be doing is building your net worth. And there are so many business owners who think, oh, I need to build the business, the business. No, you need to build your net worth. That's probably why you started the business in the first place. And by doing it strategically and working with a master like yourself who can help you with 401k IRA investments that are growing, that are tax-free and understanding maybe there's some other investments and depreciation things. Not that you're still profitable, but you're funneling that money personally so that you're avoiding maybe maximum personal taxes and benefiting. And, you know, in my space, I see financials, you know, not as often as you, but quite a bit, right? I'm in a business funding and finance space. And so at the same thing, you're saying, hey, it's great to be profitable. That's the whole reason why you started the business on our end. Well, it's pretty tough to get you a loan or a line of credit for your business when your business is showing a break even or a loss. When you can actually show profitability, boy, it makes getting you that loan and that expansion, um, that, that equipment financing so much easier when there's actually some cash flow there. So probably I would say at this point, there's a lot of listeners, a lot of the audience that are trying to build or grow a business and they want that profit first. And for what, for a lot of reasons, they are not being as profitable as they would like. And there are things that they are missing. Maybe it's the bookkeeping. They're not, some people, let's be honest, half of business owners aren't even sure if they're making or losing money, right? Oh, there's money in the bank account. There's money coming in. So for that type of business owner, where should they start? You know, Leo, that's so funny that you say that. They don't know if they're making a profit or a loss in a lot of cases because that is so true. I can't tell you how many times people come to me April 15th and they're like, "Um, okay, so like how much do I owe? Do a lot, little, am I getting a refund? Like they have no clue. Okay, they're bringing me a shoebox. And I'm like, oh no. (laughs) But, um, you know, it starts with having a process, you know, that forces that intentional profitability. And that's why I like profit first so much. It's it's kind of like that Dave Ramsey system with envelopes. You guys remember like your mother might've had an envelope for groceries, an envelope for fun things like the movies, envelope yeah, for like yeah. rent, that type of thing. Well, businesses, it works the same way, right? And, it, and it, the reason why we segregate it, not in envelopes, but for a moment, I'm just going to imagine it's envelopes. The reason why we segregate it is because, you know, when you have a pool of money that's for a specific reason, you know, you're going to use that money for that specific reason. And, w- and when you have more money in that pool, you're going to use more of it. It's kind of like going on a diet, right? First thing they tell you is use a smaller plate. And the reason why they tell you to use a smaller plate is you're going to eat less food. 
And that's the same way in business. And so what happens in profit first is we don't want to have anybody with envelopes. Okay. Like don't, don't, don't keep any envelopes unless you want to tell Leo that you've got envelopes, <laughs> but nobody have any envelopes, but, but you want to create bank accounts. And, you know, there's, I would say basic buy bank accounts. You want to have an income account, which is going to collect all of your deposits. You know, everything, your merchant services is going to go into that. Every time you make a sale, it's going to go into that income checking account. And then twice a month, what's going to happen is you're going to automatically transfer to sub bank accounts based upon your designated purpose. And one of that first bank accounts that you're going to transfer to is going to be your profit account because you're going to be profitable day one. So even if you had a loss, even if you had a bad day, a bad year, you know, today you are profitable, at least 1%. And just start with 1%, put 1% of all your collections into that profit account. The other account that I want you to create is is an owner's pay account. And the reason why that is so important is, you know, sometimes I ask people, I'm like, who's your MVP? Who's your most valuable player? And they'll say Tommy, they'll say Sue, they'll say Michael. But I'm like, yo, what happens when Leo leaves the business? You know what I mean? That's a big deal. The business doesn't go on without Leo, right? Um, So that owner's pay is important. You are the MVP. And so let's compensate you as such. So we're going to fund that that owner's pay account. Then we're going to have the tax account, you know, because, hey, okay, stop yelling at your accountant. It's not your fault. You're the one that drives a Bugatti, you know, own own the responsibility of being successful. You have the profit, you have the tax. So let's transfer into that tax account. Hopefully all the money doesn't get used for taxes, but at least we're not on pins and needles when we owe because we've got it saved up during the year. And I'm sure Leo has amazing investment advice on what to do with that. Now, that last account that you want is going to be your operating expense account. And this is after you fund your profit, after you fund your owner's pay, after you fund your tax, right? And there's fixed percentages that you want to use. That last account is going to be your operating expense account. And this operating expense account is going to be used for really your operating expenses. So how, when you look at that account, do I have enough money to make that higher? Do I have enough money to buy that new computer? Because com- you know companies always need a computer, right? Do you have enough money to buy that corporate car? Do you have enough money to get that fancy office space or that upgraded office space? And so that, op- that operating expense account, that is, your, that is your Parkinson's law, right? Parkinson's says we use as much as we are given, right? And so that becomes your you know, that decision-making process, that, that, that envelope in a sense. Absolutely. So a lot of it's allocation, it's categorizing everything, and it's starting with profit first that you are going to actually pay and compensate yourself. It's the craziest thing. Boy, I had, uh, had someone on the podcast just last week and she was talking about how the first decade, um, she had never paid herself. Like she, she just, you know, she, sometimes bought things personally, et cetera. But she's like never actually literally like thought about paying herself. So you're just kind of running the business. And, and that happens so quickly if you aren't specific and intentional in planning out that you're going to be profitable from day one and then adjusting the business because the profit is just as important as expense as anything else out there. Now, you know, the book that you published is an amazing book. It's Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises. So talk to us a little bit about that. And what are some of the things for our minority business uh, owners? And we've got a lot in our audience and things that they should be thinking about and learning about, you know, from this book and, and everything else that you teach business owners who are, you know, in that space. 
right? And, you know, it's a great book for everybody. You know, if you're a minority or not, um, you know, it's a great book to read in conjunction with Mike McCallowitz's book, Profit First, because that is where the concept originated was through Mike McCallowitz. Um, and, and the reason why I wrote this book was, you know, you know, I, I started my career at the intersect, you know, I was lucky to start my, my career with such an amazing company. And one of the things that I noticed was there wasn't a lot of, you know, diversity that was there. And, and, you know, when I, when I went to certain neighborhoods, one of the things that, that really separated the neighborhoods between like the very great, if anyone's from Chicago, like the Lincoln parks um, or the gold coast compared to the South side of Chicago was the availability of jobs. Right. And, and I realized that the only way to up level neighborhoods, up level communities is by job creation. Because when I'm successful in my neighborhood, I hire my neighbor's kids, right? I hire my neighbors and I slowly change my community when I run a successful business. And, and that's the reason why I wrote Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises was to really give the know-how of, of companies that have succeeded minority as well as non-minority and and give those tools to minority businesses. I almost called the MBA for or for for MBEs. Yeah. Um, with that, I talk tax strategy. I talk profit first. I talk about networking. Um, I talk about how to do sales. Um, all that happens in that book. So it's a, a great book. Um, you know, it's Kirkus reviewed as it was Publishers Weekly editors pick, um, wow. bestseller. So definitely check out that book. Oh, and another thing about the book too, is part of the proceeds, we actually send it to Hope Worldwide, where we each, each part of the proceeds, a dollar per book actually goes to Hope Worldwide for scholarships for young girls in Zimbabwe, because their government doesn't pay for their elementary and high school education. They pay for college for some strange Mm -hmm. reason, but they don't pay for elementary and, and high school. And so we actually, you know, within like, I think 30 days of the book launches, we actually sent 26 girls to school. So I was so excited by that. Oh, that is awesome. Uh, Where's, where should they go to get that book real quick? You know, they can go anywhere, anywhere that books are sold, they can go to Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, um, you know, it's your local bookstore. If they don't have it, they'll order it for you, but anywhere should have that book. Outstanding guys. Um, I'm curious of what you think, you know, there are a lot of side hustlers out there who are looking for the best type of business to start. Where do you think is a good place for them to begin or or what do you, what recommendations do you have for someone in that position? You know, as entrepreneurs, I think we need to start with our gifts. You know, what is that talent that we have been gifted at that we can do better than nobody else? That's where you want to start at. And, and then finding that audience that that needs your gift, not wants your gift, but needs that gift, right? And then really building upon there. That's the first place that I would start is looking at your what do you enjoy? What do you do better than anybody else? Because at the end of the day, that differentiating factor is what's going to move you to grow to that seven-figure business. Absolutely. It's what I always say. I would say, become an expert. Become an expert. It pays very well. And in today's world, you don't have to be an expert about everything. You just have to select that niche and the riches are in the niches, the more, you know, focused on who you are serving and the result and the solution that you're providing them to solve their problem is so vital. And you see so many unique businesses that pop up that serve what you would think are a small segment of the population, but boy, with the internet, that small segment becomes actually a million, 
you know, multi-million dollar business opportunity that people do not realize. And there are also some opportunities, you know, available working with the government. And we know that the government has budgets and, you know, I certainly prefer that they work with a great entrepreneur and business owner like one of you who are listening. So what are some of the uh, ins and outs of actually, you know, doing some government contracting and providing some uh, some resources there? Yeah, so the the, the the government contract is very interesting, and and you know our firm has been lucky that we've done it with some of the largest municipalities actually in this country. And I, I'm wow. going to peel back that layer and go back. It starts with your gift, right? What what is your gift? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's that's what you're going to want to sell to the government. Um, but it's even more important to realize that with government, you know, and I talk about this in the book too, is that you know they they buy based upon best value and most commoditized service and best value is a combination of the lowest price and you know at the same time getting good service reliable service and one of the things that you have to be careful about when you're doing government business is it's a process called competitive betting and that's how it's done that's how they pick their vendors there's a silent period everybody puts in that bed it's sealed envelope yeah and and you have to be careful because when you're in that business, if you're a commoditized business, if you're doing janitorial, something like that, right, it's a race towards the bottom easily. Right. And and when you're in the race towards the bottom, guess who the winner is? Free, right? The winner is free. Yep. You're doing um, a that. lot of work for not a lot of money. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so really where I see the success in, in government business is going to be your specialized type of services. So your very unique offerings where there isn't a competition. So whether you're a software designer that happens to produce this type of software, or you're an engineer that happens to work on this particular niche, right? This is a very, very niche area. Uh, that's this is called sole source is what it's called in government contracting. So it's really that sole source. It's that one-off genius, right? In that particular area, that's where you really don't have the competition. I mean, that is just guys, that is a massive value bomb that Suzanne just dropped on you. She's talking about a concept that some people call blue ocean strategy, and it's finding, you know, that unique solution service product that you can provide that very few others are or willing to do. And by focusing on that, you jump into a blue ocean of opportunity instead of a red bloody ocean where there's just like you said, a race to the bottom. So huge, huge value bomb there. So what are some tax strategies that business owners really need to be aware of? And obviously, I mean, it seems like we're seeing new tax laws happen every single year, new programs that people aren't even aware of. Like, where do you even begin as a business owner to make sense of this? So, you know, we talked about some a little bit earlier, but I'm going to talk about one that's expiring very, very soon. Okay. So if you have not yet done it, um, you definitely want to get on this, um, you know, because COVID put out a lot of possibilities. I, I call COVID one of the lot. biggest wealth transfers that happened. And um, no we're going to have you paying for it. We might as well get some of the benefit of it. You know? That's um, why we're business owners, hopefully, right? <laughs> and so there's something called the ERC credit or employee retention credit for those of you guys that have employees out there. And, you know, if you had a loss in your business and in 2020 compared to 2019 or 21 compared to 2019, um, in 2020, it was like a 50% reduction in revenue. In 2021, it was like a 20% reduction in revenue in any particular quarter, you can automatically qualify for the ERC credit. So if you were not able to make the sales because you couldn't see your customer or you had a physical location, you may definitely um, experience that. But here's the kicker. 
not only is it that you can have a loss in sales, but you can actually qualify a different way. You can qualify if you were impacted by a government shutdown, meaning that, you know, the like, for example, we had government clients and the government said, you can't come in here anymore. We don't want you breathing your COVID air on us. And so they said, you can't come in here. And guess what? That revenue we couldn't generate because we couldn't go in there anymore. And so even if we didn't have a revenue loss, right, we still could qualify for this ERC credit. So restaurants, for example, if you own a restaurant and you're able to do takeout orders, but because of capacity in 2021 or 2020, you couldn't have people dine in. Well, guess what? You had a government mandate that prohibited you from operating fully. And even if you made up the sales and carryouts and drive-through, you still qualify for this ERC credit. So we're telling everybody to start, you know, make sure you apply by December 31st, you know, because the credit expires two years after that quarter ends from that return being filed. So you want to make sure you definitely get in line for that, that credit right now. So take advantage because that money is gone. You will be paying for it for somebody else that got it if you have not got it. So definitely take advantage of that. The other thing I would look so, at- So right that expires this December, this December 31st? Well, it starts to expire the quarter, right? Two years from the quarter that it was filed. So you had a 941, okay. which is a, a payroll return. Yeah. And it was due yep. April 30th, right? Of, of the following quarter after yep. March you're going to start to see that expiration of those different quarters. You're going to start losing that opportunity. Oh, I see. So there's multiple quarters, guys. But if you don't do it now, you're going to start losing the quarters that you could have benefited with that ERC credit. It's a huge opportunity, guys. And really, it's re rewarding, I think, a lot of people who kept people on payroll and kept those jobs moving forward, even though it was super difficult and you could have you know, you know, know, let go of a lot more people than you did as a business owner. And so the government's stepping up to provide that opportunity to kind of reimburse you for making that happen. Uh, is there anywhere you recommend people go to, you know, because it's not the easiest thing to figure out. You kind of need a professional, I think, to help out with it. Well, our firm definitely can help you with that, too. So if Perfect. they want to contact me through um, our LinkedIn, um, you know, that's absolutely fine because our firm can definitely help them navigate those waters because, you know, it is, you're right, Leo, it's very, it's got a lot of compliance with it. It does. And, and so they, they should just look up, uh, Suzanne Marigas, S-U-S-A-N-N-E and then M-A-R-I-G-A. Is that, uh, where absolutely. they should look up? Absolutely. Okay. Just shoot me a DM and, and I, I will get the message on that. Perfect. Perfect. Well, kind of the last two things that I wanted to touch on here to, to finalize this uh, this podcast, just amazing uh, things being shared here, guys. Make sure you're checking out that ERC because it's a tremendous um, cash benefit for your business, you know, for being a business owner over the last two years. But there, there are obviously, there's some specific strategies that a business owner can take today to increase their profits. And then there's also like systems and processes that you need to be implementing. So if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what are some of the additional strategies you rec recommend someone look at today to start increasing their business profits? And then uh, how, how can systems and processes with accounting, you know, make things run smoother? Definitely. So I would start with, you know, even before you get into profit first with the bank transfers, I would start at... Yeah. What does winning look like for you? And I love like what Leo said in the beginning is none of us get into business to 
live a life of entrepreneurial poverty. None of none of us do that, right? We we get in the business to give our families a life that we never had, right? And to serve our communities Amen. in a different way. Yeah. And if we don't have profit, right, there's no way that we can do that. There's no way that we can fulfill our life's mission with that. And so start with what does winning look like is the very first thing that you want to do with that. Some Amen. quick tips on increasing your profit is, you know, if, if you don't yet have financial statements yet, you haven't yet hired your bookkeeper or your accountant, start with your bank statements, make it easy, especially the credit card statements, you know, start with those statements and start to look at those charges, you know, and go, what am I, what do I really need? What is a duplication here? You know, if I've got, you know, why am I paying for Zoom when I can use Teams, right? If I've got team members, because you know, because Zoom can get really expensive, right? Oh, yes. Um, Maybe I don't need Microsoft. Maybe I can use Google, right? How can I reduce costs? Where do I have redundancy at here? Um, you know, one of the things I like to look at is my subscriptions. You know, I, I remember during yep. COVID, I walked in my office and I was like, oh my gosh, look at all these magazines. And, there, and the bad thing is there's nobody even here in COVID, right? And I'm still paying for these magazines. And immediately I was like, we just need to call and cancel so they don't renew because we don't need, nobody yeah. needs these magazines. I actually went on my Apple subscription and I was like surprised by how many things were like auto renew. I mean, it was like $2.99, $4.99, but you know, that was at least a hundred bucks over time, you know, these things oh, that yeah. are auto renewing. So look at those things on your, on your credit card statement and go, what, what am I, what am I, you know, paying for that I don't really need, you know, also look at your pricing, you know, is that really realistic for the expenses that you have to cover every month? And and how many of those widgets do I need to make in order to like break even and actually get a profit, you know, and look at it. And we're in a hyperinflation environment right now. You know, yes, you go to the grocery store, buy milk today is going to be a different price tomorrow. Um, and so you got to make sure, you know, if you haven't hired that bookkeeper yet, look at how those, those, those gross margin percentages are changing from month to month and mm -hmm. making sure you're staying on top of that too, is also really important. Absolutely, guys. And and just the, the bookkeeping, your bank statements, the credit card statements. I, I think what every business owner needs, you know, you, you talk about maybe your relationship, you have a weekly date, you go out with your partner, right? Your spouse. Well, you need to have a money date every single week to go through. How is the business doing? Am I winning? Am I losing? Am I breaking even? Where am I at? And if you don't have that weekly meeting with yourself, with your partner with whoever it is, then it, you can fall behind very, very quickly. So I think that's just enormous what you're saying. Start with the bank statements, start with the credit card statements and start paying attention to these numbers because that's what, what's going to create the life that you want, you know, at the end of the day. Um, what are some ways to kind of automate and systematize your accounting so that you can get, because because I know I had a previous business to this. Uh, it was a business finance company. We grew really fast. Uh, went from zero to fifty employees, but we were burning money. Um, we I never knew if we were making or losing money. Right, the exact thing that you're talking about. And when I started seven figures, I said, "All right, I'm going to have all of my ducks in a row. I'm going to look every Sunday and go through my financials and know." exactly whether we made money or lost money over the last week. So what are some ways that uh, business owners can automate that? How can you and your team help with that? So, you know, I believe that things have to be easy for them to be lasting, right? Um, the moment you make things hard or difficult, um, the more likely it's not going to continue very long, right? Um, and so, you know, I like to, when I'm just in the beginning and I'm picking out my accounting suite, what are all the things that I'm going to need in this accounting suite? Am I going to need 
um, it to run merchant services? Am I going to need to have my clients be able to connect online, to pay online? And what accounting suite will allow me to expand within that suite? Or what accounting suite has that ability to add on different, you know, I almost call it like, I know psychology where didn't write synapses, you know, the, the transactions can like feed on each other, the systems, you know? And so looking at it, you know, from a high level, what are all the things that I'm going to need and what accounting system is going to allow you to do that? And there are many different accounting systems out there um, that you can take a look at, but look at it from that perspective. And, and because you want automation, you don't want to be data entering on yes. one side, data entering on the middle and then data entering on the other side. You want it to be one system that feeds all the way through if possible. Um, so that's the first thing that I look at is automation, you know, from an accounting perspective, and I'm going to do a, sh- a shameful shout out, you know, because we we do accounting services with our firm to across the country, you know, you know, there is nothing like all 50 the- states. All 50 states, all 50 states we do. You know, we even have some in Hawaii. It's really cool. Um, But there's nothing like getting a financial statement in the month, you know, versus like, you know, oh man, I need to stop and do my books. Because now you're stepping out of your zone of genius, right? You're stepping out what you want to do, what lights you up to have to do accounting, you know? And that's fine if you're Suzanne having to do accounting, it's like cha-ching. But, you know, if if you're somebody else having to do accounting, it's like, (laughs) I'd rather make widgets, right? Um, So so it's nothing like having that partner that can just help you generate those financial statements too. So you want to put things on auto as much as you can in order for it to be a lasting system that's going to continue to give you value. Absolutely, guys. And I always make the uh, the example, it's very similar to, you know, if you were accused of a heinous crime, you're going to go to jail for a while, you can try and DIY that and hope that works out. You're going to, if you can, hire the very best attorney possible to put the odds in your favor to, you know, get that uh, that outcome that you're looking for. And it's the same thing in any of these things, right? If you're looking for someone who can create accounting uh, automation and make it systematized because they're a genius at that, you're not, it's much better to just work with someone who can create those systems and processes for you versus you trying to DIY it, waste all that time when you could have been making money growing your business. And that's how the most successful people operate. They aren't experts at everything. They're an expert at one or two things that they do really well. And that's why they have their business and serve, you know, as experts in that field and niche. And then you have the professionals who can make that happen. And so guys, if you haven't yet, you should go to Suzanne Mariga. That's S-U-S-A-N-N-E-M-A-R-I-G-A.com. Definitely check out her Profit First book. And she's got a lot of resources on there. And if you want to start getting your business in order and automating and creating systems and processes, I highly recommend it. Then you can start having, you know, that that monthly date where you go through the financials and instead of you having to figure it out, there's your profit and loss. You read through it and now you know what you need to do to move forward. Well, Suzanne, I think uh, the last word should be yours in terms of we always want this to be an action taking podcast, not a passive learning one. What's one item that someone can take today to get on the path to success in growing their business? Start with 1%. If, If last year was a bad year, yesterday was a hard year, start with 1%. Start with 1% transfer until profit account and then build from there. 1%. It starts small, but it can add up so quickly. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for being a guest on the Seven Figures Club podcast. Thank you, Leah. It's been an absolute joy. 
Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.